Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Wares is a band led by Cassia Hardy, who is based in Edmonton, Alberta. An impassioned vocalist, outspoken lyricist, and gifted guitarist, Hardy's latest Wares record is called Survival, which she has described as a deeply personal batch of songs about both carving out your own identity and also contributing to one's community in a positive way. Survival is out now on Mint Records, and Cassia and I connected for a chat about it recently, and we discussed Survival's lyrical themes and charged guitar-centric sound, what our experiences living in Edmonton, Alberta have been like, and the current deeply unpopular United Conservative Party, which is governing this province at the moment. We talked about uh, going out into the world as it suffers through a pandemic, self-awareness, and the internet, Bob Dylan, future plans, and more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control and Massey Hall's concert film series live at masseyhall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free including performances by past podcast guests like Tanya Tagak plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 546th episode of Creative Control, featuring the wonderful Cassia Hardy of Wares, with your host, me, Vish Khanna.
Hi, Cass. How's it going? I'm doing so well. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Uh, I think I know the answer to this, but I always ask it, and uh, and because you're not right in front of me, I, I don't want to presume. Where in the world are you today, Cass? I am in um, North Edmonton, in my bedroom, facing east, looking out on uh, a wonderful <laughs> 11 a.m. sort of uh, mid-morning vibe. Yes, nice. I'm also in the city of Edmonton. I think I'm southeast, Capilano area. Do you know what I know. Oh, geographically? Yeah, yeah. I do know is that where Capilano I am? is for sure. Uh, southeast, I I feel like Capilano is more like east, like neutral east, but it, it could be slightly south. I guess it's south of the river. I feel neutral east myself as a personality type. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but yeah, I'm staying still. Uh, as we're speaking, I'm staying with my in-laws. My family and I are going to be moving into our own home uh, soon. In fact, by the time people hear this, hopefully that's already happened. So Amidst uh, all this, I'm, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Is that a goose? I hear geese. <laughs> yeah, sorry, maybe I should close the window. No, 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 it's fine. It's just an indication that certain parts of Edmonton have geese. I was just on a walk with my wife saying, you know, we don't see any geese. I'm from Guelph, Ontario, uh, mm-hmm. and we, we have a lot of geese. And like to the point where like we have geese that stop traffic and uh, and and you know ask you for things. It's interesting. <laughs> They're just... They're all over the place, and I was like, I haven't seen any geese, and now, lo and behold, I hear the geese. And, they are uh, they are all up here. Like there are so many geese uh, in my neighborhood of Greasebaugh. Uh Geese and rabbits, like they're plentiful. There's one actually that likes to sort of rest in the shade of uh, my yard. I see. Yeah, the rabbits. I've not seen rabbits like the rabbits I've seen since I've moved to Edmonton. They're rabbits the size of small dogs, uh, just roaming around uh, this area. Is that? Is that your experience? Just lots of rabbits? Tons, yeah. Um, I guess, I don't know about dog size, maybe small dog size, like chihuahua-sized rabbits, but, you know. Yeah. No, they're big. Tons. I think they're they're massive. I'm not used to seeing them. Are the rabbits in Ontario? Small. Small and, and malnourished. These ones seem healthy and like they could fight you. <laughs> so I get a bit nervous. Are you actually from Edmonton? Yeah, I grew up here. Um, I was technically born in Ontario, but I, I moved here when I was like six months old and my mom's from here so yeah Prairie how born. is one how is one technically born in ontario were, were you born on the border of ontario and manitoba and they were like yeah we'll just pick one how how can you be technically born from ontario i don't born in ontario i don't understand um i was born in a little town <laughs> called uh alliston do you know where that oh, is? i know alliston i know it very well okay. i know it relatively well yeah 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 interesting so my parents uh met through the army and so oh. I was I was born in Ontario, and then we were posted back to uh, Alberta relatively shortly after I was born. I see. So you don't consider... I see what you're saying. Te- you, it is a technicality. You are an Albertan. I am, yes. Okay. All right. And do you like living in Alberta? You don't know anything else, I assume, but uh, you, you've stayed. You enjoy it? Yeah. I mean, uh, I've traveled around, and... I, I do like uh, the geography of Alberta, and I, on my mom's side, I have a lot of family history, specifically in uh, northern Alberta and the Northwest Territories. Oh, nice. So it's, it's you know, the, I'm getting a lot of joy recently just by learning a lot of the history of this place, specifically the history, like, pre-contact from Europeans. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That's, that's really grounding me here. Um, on a more practical level, like, there's a really great music scene here that I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of. And there's like a lot of there is actually like municipal level arts funding, which I've I've since learned is kind of rare. 
Yes, uh, it is. as opposed to other places around Canada. One of the most Edmonton things you can do, I think, is move to Montreal after uh, <laughs> sort of germinating in the music scene for a couple of years. So, um, sort of in that vein, I'm not sure I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here for the oh. rest of my life. Oh. But you know, our plans afoot. Uh, I, I do like it here. I had I had all sorts of plans before all this happened, and now I am sort of in the middle of redrafting some different plans. But uh, those plans didn't include moving. But uh, okay. you know, you always have to keep an eye on on relocating. You've recently moved. Yeah, no. Are, I, are you liking it out here? Uh, yeah, uh, yes, I do. We moved. I lived in Guelph for twenty three years. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you ever been to Guelph, by the way? I have, yeah, yeah. I, I played there uh, in another band of mine in 2016. We passed through there just for an evening, though. What was the band? I played in a band called Power Buddies. Oh, okay. I don't think I was at that show. Do you remember where you played? Uh, ooh, yeah. It was like upstairs. Um, uh, the E Bar. E Bar, probably. Or maybe, I, it was like a D name, like District. District. Like, District yeah. is the name. Yes, right, right, right. Okay, okay. So that's your. Is that the only time you've been to Guelph? Only time. Uh, I've heard a lot of great things about it, though. People have spoken very highly about like the Kazoo Fest crew and. Yes, yes, it's good. It was it was nice and, uh, yeah. My wife is from Edmonton and uh, jobs came up and her family was here is here rather so. Okay. Yeah, we uh, we decided to move in January and uh, and then everything fell apart and right. uh, I I'm starting to feel at fault that maybe us moving. Uh, caused the whole globe to collapse. It just wasn't ready for us to leave. I expected like a handful of people in Guelph to be sad. I didn't think the whole world would shut down, you know, that we moved. So that's a heavy burden. It is. It's hard being me. I'll I'll say that right (laughs) off the bat. Uh, So, yeah, we've been here since January. And, you know, do I like Edmonton? Well, I've been to Edmonton many, many times. You know, I've known my wife since uh, 2001. And uh, cool. So, yeah, I've been to Edmonton a bunch, and I liked it. I liked it enough to think, yeah, I could live there. So we moved, and then, yeah, I, when you ask, do I like it? I mean, we started out in kind of a self-isolation. I, I, you may recall, there it was like a record-setting cold in January for like a week or two there. Remember that? It was like minus 40 or whatever. Yeah, you know, that tends to happen around here. I can understand that that was a, a dubious time to, to sort of get to know the city. I can I can understand that. Yeah, like you move here during like the coldest time of the year, you're not going to go out much. Uh, I went out, we went out a little bit and went to places we knew. And I met, I met with a few of the people I already knew before I moved here and went to a few shows. Uh, mm-hmm. But I didn't really, otherwise I was staying with my kids and my, you know, my kids are young. So I want to make sure they're happy and okay. So, you know, hung out a lot at home and been living in this hunker down basement, all our possessions in storage. Didn't really feel, I felt sort of displaced and I didn't feel like we had our stuff and didn't know anyone. Right. And then there's like s- sanctions basically. Now that now it's like you have to stay home and you can't go hang out with people. So weirdly. And, and so I was also living a pretty internetty life, uh, and now it's all, as we're speaking, that's all come to pass. Like everyone is going through the same thing that I was already going through. So I feel trained, trained <laughs> for self-isolation and this moment in Edmonton. I don't know the city. I was just getting to drive around the city and know. Do you find the city confusing to move around in in any way or 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 even baffling? Like just the choices that were made and sort of the urban planning. Is there any of this resonating with you? Yes. Uh, I don't have... 
I don't have trouble getting around these days just because it's, it's my hometown. But um, it's a poorly designed city, and it's way too big. <laughs> well, I've had people... Uh, in I've my opinion. People who live here, who have lived here their whole life, I said, you know, just making fun of myself, I'd say, yeah, I still got to use the GPS to get around. And they would mm-hmm. say, well, I still use the GPS to get around, and I've lived here my whole life. I'm like, what? Like, it, it is big. It's a big... It's a big city. That's what you're saying. Like it's just sprawling. It's sprawling. Uh, I think that's that also speaks to a larger point of um, Google Maps removing a lot of people's like natural sense of direction. Yeah, which like I'm definitely guilty of myself. But um, yeah, it's it's really tough. Like the river bisects the whole thing, but other seem other cities seem to have managed that well enough. I'm not really sure what happened. I don't know what's going on. I mean, you bring up a phone thing. I was just saying the other day to someone how I used to know every single phone number off the top of my head like from yep. my my friends and now i don't know any of them i mean i know no i mean my best friend i don't know his phone number i have to i just say <laughs> i tell my phone to call him and uh i remember uh all my phone i remember all the phone numbers um that i remembered when i had to remember them if that's that what makes i mean sense. yeah i was yeah. just i just quoted one to my friend the other day and they they were like was that my number i'm like yeah i was making the <laughs> point like i used to know all the numbers and they haven't left my head and I have like mnemonic devices. So like, and I feel like the phone numbers are designed that way. I was telling someone the other day that their number was uh eight, two, seven, one, four or something. And I said, yeah. And then two times seven is 14. You see, like I, I do these little tricks and I think, I think in my brain does these fascinating. little, I, it's not that fascinating. I don't know why I'm talking about this. All this to say, <laughs> feeling a little displaced, dislocated, what have you. Uh, this brings me to a point I've been raising with whoever I speak with uh, remotely, uh, which is, you know, how are you doing, uh, Cass, in this period of, you know, pandemic, panic, self-iso- self-isolation? Uh, how are you doing? I think I am, uh, like, I'm in a really, really stable situation. I'm not, like, existentially worried about, like, my, my immediate circumstances, but, uh, like, you know, emotional peaks and valleys for sure. Like we were, we had plans. Everybody had plans. Everybody, like I'm sure you're talking to a lot of artists that all like capital H, capital P had plans, but, um, which I'm just sort of trying to manage right now. Like definitely giving myself a lot of time to, to grieve at, um, various decisions that people in power are making and my own sort of, um, kibosh stuff. But uh, I'm also trying to do, I'm trying to focus more now, like now that we're talking on things that are, that make me happy. Like yesterday, I had the opportunity to walk the entire Mill Creek Ravine. Do you know where the Mill Creek Ravine is? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know it on a, uh, have I been there? I think I've actually been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it starts in like the Argyle neighborhood like 63rd ave and it ends at the the mouth of the river basically and so yeah. i i just took a couple hours um i bought a sandwich from pharaoh and i just no headphones on or nothing just like walked and contemplated and uh i think i'm you know until i i get my marching orders to go back and start making coffee for people again i think i'm going to start getting more into that so you have you went to the outside world and ordered food. I have not made the intellectual leap where I think that would be okay. I have not had any food that I that me or my family haven't made since like early March. Uh, That's definitely the way to do it. 
It is, but you were just like, screw it, I'm having a sandwich. <laughs> uh, well, you know, Pharaoh specifically, uh, they were, they're doing it in a pretty all right way. Like they're making all their stuff prepackaged and mm. you go into their, their, um, I went to the Richie location on 99th Street and they just have all the chairs stacked up. So it's like an in and out situation. There's no like ambiguity about it. Oh, can I like stay inside and wait for my thing? No, it's like you get, your prepackaged cold sandwich and then you leave and it's it's still made it's with, okay. the, with yeah. good ingredients okay. and yeah it's it's i felt comfortable no i mean it, there, it must you know? be it must have is that probably i'm just guessing is that one of the first outside sandwiches you had uh since all this went down yeah i try you know i i try and eat at home as much as i can and um so was that exhilarating just to be able to buy something from the world <laughs> um it it felt like remembering a, a long lost um, you know social act. No, it was... truly, I it, it, I think when we if and when we ever go back to some sense of normalcy, I think there'll be a lot of those like sense memory moments. You know that exhilaration will come back. It's that is a fascinating aspect of this for sure. Uh, so yeah, well, and and sorry, you mentioned coffee serving. That's your day job. One of them, yeah. Um, all my. My Joe jobs when I'm not on tour are all sort of beverage based. I serve I, I serve coffee during the day and then I serve um, adult beverages at at night sometimes. Okay, can and so I, I'm anticipating being on the other side of this interaction we're talking about uh, in a couple weeks or months where people are sort of remembering uh, their orders or whatever, or I'm like seeing faces that I haven't thought about in like six months, right? But used to see like every week. You know, you've mentioned a couple of local businesses already. And I'm looking for sponsors, so why don't we just go for it? Mm-hmm. What's the name of the coffee place you uh, you work for? I work for uh, a coffee chain that started in Alberta that um, is fine. If you're looking for a good cup of coffee in Edmonton, Alberta, uh, check out the Grizzlar. Do you know the Grizzlar? I've heard of it, but I have not obviously been. There was that place yeah, right. and a different um, place that someone mentioned, which was... Um, fair trade coffee place and i i i asked about it when i got here and i can't remember what it is but anyway the grizzlar i can guarantee you that i can guarantee you that none of the other coffee places you were told about are also a punk rock record label the grizzlar is that what you said yeah okay yeah that's right like grizzly bear but with an ar at the end instead um do you think they've put out do you, me? well yeah. do you think they would go for a, a, a coffee sponsorship on my show cuz i have still a guelph based coffee shop sponsorship and i'll tell you how it mm, works I'll, yes. t- I'll tell you how it works there's no money really trading hands i just want unlimited free coffee i just want bags of coffee and then i mention the business on the show and it works but will the grizzlar is is the grizzlar coffee actually good first of all i am actually drinking some uh, out of a french press right now it's excellent I'll say free. Is it like fair trade organic coffee? As far as I know, like I think they, they strive for those things. Um, uh, okay. I'm not, uh, I'm actually not a hundred percent sure on the signal chain there, but, um, the supply chain rather, but, um, you know, go ask them. They're, they're friendly, friendly, nice punks. Okay. They're I, good people. I might talk to them cause this show is, is kind of a punk show. So I want something like that locally. And I haven't, I haven't really, I, I had a pizza thing worked out tentatively and then everything mm-hmm. went to hell and I kind of let it go. I'm trying to you you've heard the show you know I have certain recurring in-kind sponsorships. So uh yeah, pizza, coffee, 
books. I would get everything like this, and it was great. I enjoyed it. I was like, look how much money we're saving on these like things that we'd like, because people would make fun, people well, people would make fun of me about it, and I'd say, <laughs> well, you can. I'm laughing all the way to the coffee shop because I I've not paid for a cup of coffee in like three years, and uh, that stuff adds up. And my wife, you know, anyway. It's good, good deal. So I'm going to explore this uh, at some point, and I thank you again. We may have already done their work for them. This is basically a, an advertorial now for these companies. <laughs> so good work, good work, Cast. Were you uh, before this uh, lockdown? Were you? Did you consider yourself an outgoing person? Would you Would you go out into the world and, and meet friends uh, as much as possible? Yeah, yeah, I, I try and get out a few few nights a week, um, tempering my extrovert tendencies with my like awkwardness, I guess. <laughs> um, I just, I really love, I love being around people. Uh, all my jobs are social jobs. All my hobbies are social hobbies. Um, I'm still doing my best to keep in touch with with folks as much as I can. But um, yeah, in in the before time, I suppose I, you could probably catch me at a, a venue one or two times a week for sure. Okay. Well, that's cool. That's good. So, uh, I want to ask you about your 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 moniker, your name, Wares. Wares is mm-hmm. ostensibly yeah. you, yes? More or less, yeah. But you've had a, a steady band for some time? So, yeah, the so I've been playing with the same bassist and drummer for uh 3 years this month. And then we were lucky enough to add a keyboard player, Jamie McLean, in um, January of 2018, I think. And it's been the same group ever since, which is they're maybe like the fourth lineup of the band, but they're by far the longest serving. Okay. And, and in terms of the name, does that the, the band name mean something in particular to you? Why is it called Wares? Um, it's, well, my relationship to it has changed throughout the years but um my reasoning behind it is that like everyone has something to offer to make the world a better place and so where's is is my offering i see okay uh when you say the name to someone they might it's obviously a word that what's the name of that what do you call that when a word has it sounds is it a homonym it's the thing where it sounds this i think i think it's homonyms yeah right as like um as to wear i get that a lot yeah it's yeah, I people, say wears like merchandise a lot. Right. Okay. So that's interesting. That's your offering. Um, why was that? What was the? What was the? What's the story behind that impulse to suggest that? You know, this is my humble offer. Uh, my music. I, I for some reason I, I consider I, I I conflate that word. I, I conflate humility with offering <laughs> on some level, and I, I don't know why. Is there anything like that swimming around in this? I mean, yeah, like I said, we all have something to, to contribute, I think. And uh, you can see that in, in local music scenes. Everyone's just trying to, to express themselves and figure stuff out. And it's, um, I like to think at, at its best, local music scenes are, are non-hierarchical places of people just sharing their art and trying to be heard. And I think that's really beautiful. Mm. I, don't know if there, I don't know if there was much behind that thought. You know, part of it was like I had a big list of, big list of names and I sort of whittled them down to like, what does this actually mean? What What's not just like a cool sounding word? And so I, I sort of gave time and space to each one of them. And then uh, when I had like a final four, I Googled them all and, set and saw who else was using them. And uh, Wares came out on top with that one. 
And this, uh, uh, your first record came out in, what, 2017, I want to say? Is that right? My first full length came out in 2017, yeah. I, I did a bunch of, like, recorded, you know, like, EPs and stuff before that. But, yeah, first proper offering was in 2017. And when did this, when did Where's sort of start? I came up with the idea of Where's um, just as being a vehicle for my songs in 2013, like the spring of 2013. Oh, Okay, so we're it's not it's not a uh, there's two albums uh, so far, right? Yep. Right. So this, but this has been going quite a while. Okay. So in in arriving at this notion of 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 everyone has this offering, uh, everyone has something to offer. Rather, what have you learned about what you have to offer thus far? What what about your output has taught you something about yourself? Um, can you speak to that? I love to like I'm a, I guess a, I'm a real people pleaser and there's ways that can be beautiful and ways that can be sort of toxic but I I love to make people laugh I love to make people feel release and I I think something I've stumbled on with the most recent record the way that I've I've sort of seen people talk about it um is that it you know it's it's a journey and it's cathartic and that's what I would like to to offer people is songs to use as vehicles for their own you know, stories of, of overcoming challenges in their lives. That's what I would like to do for people is to give them an emotional release. Does that stem from anyone you admire in particularly anyone who might be an influence on you as a, a guitar player or a songwriter? You know, I feel like I've been trying to, to reconcile this for a while because, you know, the, the musical influences that I have and the influences I have like guitar player to guitar player or something, um, and then there's the world of like lyrical influence. Every song that I write starts out as a riff. Right. And then I sort of decide what it's going to be about later. Sometimes the whole, like this song is entirely arranged before I start working on lyrics at all. And it seems only fair to devote just as much time to the lyrics as the words, which is why it sort of takes forever and why the band was active for four years before the first record came out. Right. As far as like other musicians, as uh influences like i really love bill orcutt as a guitar player do you know do you know bill orcutt i don't know that i do okay instrumental guitar player uh i've only really heard a couple records of his but my favorite one's called colonial donuts um it's guitar and drums and it's just very like abrasive and intense and it really makes you want to like dig your teeth into it in a way it sounds Mm -hmm. nothing like my music at all but just the sense of like uh, there, there's a heaviness there, I suppose, that I can appreciate. I guess I'm drawn to like louder sounds and fuller sounds that kind of fill your whole ear. Hmm. But but lyrically, I, I I guess I take I I use that as an excuse to speak to a different speak to a different part of myself. I like the live show to be really loud and and full sounding and driving and and give people that um that sort of exhilarating rock show feeling. That's that on my best days. That's what I try to do. Now, is any of that influenced by experiences you've had in Edmonton's music communities, music scenes, venues? Has uh, that been a major factor in in your own ascendancy, I suppose, as a musician? I, I'm trying to, like I said, I got here, mostly spent, there were shows, but I mostly stayed inside. And when I went to shows, they weren't like rammed. So I can't quite get a, a feel yet as to, how vibrant uh, the Edmonton sort of 
live music scene is. I've heard that it is, uh, but I've also heard from people directly, like, you know, venues get shut down all the time, these sorts of things. Uh, how significant has Edmonton been for you as a muse, as a, a place where you can go and experience things? Well, um, you know, I, I know you haven't been to a ton of shows, but I, I heard your Daniel Romano interview, so you've already been to one of our more venerable punk rooms. <laughs> I, I was at the rec room, yes. Are you... Is that considered a, a a a key venue in this city? It's um it's a part of the conversation, I'd say. Um, you know, the funny thing about a business as massive of them as massive as them with capital to move around is that sometimes you can really get some interesting people, um, you know, coming through because they they directly help to facilitate that. And so I'm not I I hold no loyalty to Cineplex Incorporated, but um, yeah. it, um, it, for those who missed it, yeah, I went to the rec room with uh, Daniel Romano's uh, band Ancient Shapes were playing there in uh, January or February, something like that. And um, I was I drove all the way to what was basically a bunch of big box stores like plazas, and the rec room was such a complex. And then when I walked in, I was confused because it was a fairly slick nightclub-y kind of restaurant and then there was axe throwing a bowling alley a huge arcade uh all sorts of activities it was the, it's the rec room it was very recreational and then i walked into the music venue to see the band sound checking and i was like what is this it's massive and it looked like a movie theater or something like i it was a bit confusing um it wasn't what i was expecting but by all accounts like you said like the band got paid really well one of the things i appreciate about uh daniel romano specifically is that he is doesn't he's not afraid to like come out here all the time and he seems like he'll kind of just play anywhere yeah uh to to reach people uh i I appreciate that and i and in my own sort of travels i try and do the same thing you know i I like to to visit the smaller towns i like to to really get to know people um all across canada you know it's it's a a weird, gnarly, super fun, rewarding thing to tour this country coast to coast. Um, locally, you know, I feel like Edmonton, uh, maybe this is sort of, um, <laughs> maybe this is how the Western alienation manifests itself in me is I feel like a lot of larger touring acts skip over the the prairies, it's like flyover country, if you will. Um, but I think there's a really, there's really am- beautiful, amazing things happening here. And in Calgary, uh, there's like a really close cultural connection, I think, with or there was at one point with the punk scene. I think at one point there was a lot of really excellent like post-punk and kind of gothy music happening around here. Also a lot of great garage rock, which is kind of where I came in around 2014, 2015. You know, like obviously there's there's struggles finding uh, venue space. There always has been because the people who are in charge of organizing our cities don't value that. They don't see it as important. And so there's... You know, there's there's periods of of flux, but and there, but there's always something beautiful being made, and there's a lot of variety. There's a lot of variety in Edmonton. Yeah, no, I like it. I'm not, you know, I mean, the, the Ontario snobs I know are like, "What are you doing? Like, why would you do this?" <laughs> and I was like, "I don't know. Well, what Ontario's not awesome. Like, I did, I was partially fleeing a provincial government, and when I mentioned that, they'd like, "Yeah, but you're going to Alberta. Like, what?" are you thinking in terms of like that stance or that argument? I mean, you mentioned earlier, uh, you said something about grieving leadership decisions and what they will mean for 
the populace at large, even though you're currently not facing um, too much personal hardship on some level. What do you make of what's going on here politically? Um, and within that, like, if you're not pleased about it, do you have uh, a sense of what can be done, so to speak, to to fight what's going on? Or, like I said, maybe you're totally happy. I don't know. What is your take on what's going on uh, in in terms of the politics in Alberta, in Edmonton? Uh, can you speak to that? I mean, I think across the board, like unilaterally across the country, we're sending people back to work way too early. Well, yes. And yes. and the only reason that's happening is because of banks and landlords demanding their cut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that really that makes me really angry. <laughs> and uh, I, I feel like we're going to... The arts as like a uniquely vulnerable institution to things like landlords and things like expropriation of property, I think... It's going to be, we, there's maybe going to be some tougher times ahead outside of obviously everyone going back to work and then we're going to treat it as some weird surprise when a bunch of people get sick again. This after uh, a government elected with like the thinly veiled promise of, of massive cuts to our public sector. Um, yeah, this isn't surprising, right? The behavior isn't surprising. No. It's just, I'm, I'm, I know why it's happening, to, to, to your point. I mean, it's an economic stimulus thing that's uh, superseding uh, concerns about people's health, but it makes no I mean, there's enough precedence now. As you and I are speaking, you know, South Korea, Germany, uh, other states in America tried opening up early, loosening restrictions, immediately saw a rise in infection rates. Uh, in some of those cases, they immediately went back to, you know, the initial impulse to shut everything down do you have a perspective on this beyond what we've already discussed like why are we not learning from this and why are we so powerless to stop these people who don't believe in this thing or don't care about this thing uh enough to you know have the empathy and and decency to care about others before themselves like i don't know what to do except what i'm doing which is like i said i I hope you weren't offended when I was like, you had a sandwich? Are you nuts? Uh, I was I was just <laughs> like, this. I'm not going to go out uh, for the betterment. I mean, I have children. I don't want anyone to get sick, but I also don't want to make anyone mm-hmm. sick, and I don't want to uh, you know, cause any problems for other people. That's just my mindset. But what? why? What's going on? Do you, what's your perspective as an artist? Like, Why aren't people caring about each other and their own well-being right now? It makes no sense. I don't think the impulse and the behavior to care about other people is incentivized in our current economic system. Mm. That's I think there there are like you know people doing mutual aid work and people doing outreach work uh and that's that's beautiful. I happen to be uh friends with some people in a in a group called Treaty 6 Outreach that are getting things like sanitizer and things like food to to people who are sleeping rough. I think that's the way forward beyond any sort of pretense around electoral politics is to just sort of directly help each other out yeah. and organize stronger community bonds. Obviously that's hard in the midst of all this. Uh, obviously like, this is going to be a, this whole thing has been an incredible boon for politicians to, to ha- like try and enact sweeping changes uh, without any threat of like public demonstration. Public demonstration, like we can't protest this. Like the people protesting things—that's what I mean. Yeah, it's like it, everybody has to stay inside, and all of the people that would be out on the streets on the steps of the legislature protesting this know that 
the right call for the the long-term public good is to stay home. And now Hmm. even that's being sort of jeopardized. But I suppose, I mean, we tend to vote with our dollars a lot. um, And I think one way to protest this would be to not leave your home and spend any money, Uh, which I mean, obviously that would, the economy is already crumbling and jobs are already lost. uh, But I think that's the only real way to send a message to, uh, the people who are more interested in driving the economy and stimulating the economy is to not stimulate it, um, which sucks. It sounds selfish, but I think some of us are kind of vaguely implicitly at least doing that by not going out and getting food from restaurants and, and not listening to these loosening of restrictions. Like, I'm not going to put my kids in day camps in the summer. I'm not, I'm not a nut. You know, I, I, I've been reading, I've been reading everything. Like it doesn't sound like it's, I think we got two years of this, like minimum. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, there was a report recently that, you know, we're going to have to live with this thing the way we live with things like HIV. Like they don't go away. We come up with therapies and treatments. That's what this is looking like. You know, the common cold is coronavirus. There's no cure for the common cold. It's, this is just a strain of this thing that is beyond our, control obviously i mean that's already becoming apparent because of what's going on anyway we're not doctors why are we doing this (laughs) i just i i just wanted your opinion i'm sorry do you you want to respond to anything i just said i I don't want to cut us off but well i think the only again the only way that forward i see is like in a way bypassing electoral politics and just sort of trying to help each other out as best we can Mm mm-hmm um, with like, you know, from each according to their ability to the other's needs more broadly in like a public in like a policy direction, we need to fight tooth and nail to make sure that our public health system remains robust. And if anything is expanded, I think yeah. I, I see the groundwork being laid for like some really intense austerity on all levels of government. And that's, we need to be, really be united in that fight against it because otherwise more people are going to get hurt yeah and that's kind of uh, all i really have to say about it i suppose yeah well in the midst of a, a pandemic uh mint records releases an album by wares called survival and uh i know that the meaning of that isn't related uh, I, there's no correlation i don't think between our current circumstance and what emerges on uh, this record in terms of lyrical themes can you talk about that can you talk about survival as a, an umbrella term for some of the lyrical concepts and ideas that you're expressing on this new wares album yeah um so survival what it, what it means to me is a decision i make sometimes you know not necessarily consciously but sometimes very consciously sometimes day to day sometimes like minute to minute to keep myself alive, keep experiencing life, and keep moving towards a better future uh, for myself, and you know, hopefully, sharing what I've learned along the way, and other people doing the same, learning from each other, and trying to make the world a better place. That's sort of what I wanted to talk about in in this album. Is my like at various points, sort of revisiting things in my past and the lessons I've learned or the lessons I didn't learn and kind of how it's, how it's brought me to today. Sometimes, you know, times like this where you're, you're on lockdown or, or other times maybe 
you know, a couple of years ago where I was recovering from a surgery and I, I wasn't really able to leave the house like physically, hmm. you know, days just sort of, sort of drift by and it's a part of one's mental wellness to, to try and grab on and be intentional with the hours in the day. And then other times in, in you know, in moments of real stress and crisis where you, th- I feel like I have a million things going on, you know, you're like a working independent artist trying to book, uh, book my own tours and, and do all these things where I feel like it's all a little too much taking a step back minute to minute and, and thinking through, uh, my priorities and what I really need as a human being, as opposed to like a content producing person, you know? Yeah, no, I hear you. And, and I feel like you've been rather frank and specific in some aspects of, uh, of what, what this record might mean to you personally. Um, but I, I wonder if there's anything, maybe if it requires a bit more elaboration, I'm not sure. Is there anything specific about your journey your trajectory as a person, as an artist, that you would hope either people find, you know, compelling, fascinating, perhaps inspiring. If if there was one or two things about what you've done thus far and the experiences you've had that you would hope people pick up on, I suppose is the term. Can you identify any of those specifically? I've never really asked a person this before a musician that I can think of maybe I have or maybe I've asked it in a more roundabout way but do you kind of know what I mean like if you could kind of focus people in on something that you're doing or have done uh, that's coming through in your work what what would it be hmm um I'm not sure if I've really thought about that before well it's not something Um, like I said I don't think I've asked anyone this so bluntly but it just occurs to me that you know, I think you've got like a lot, like most artists, there's like a lifetime's worth of experiences and thoughts and perspectives uh, coming through on any given batch of songs or, you know, any given expression, a book, a, a piece of art. And it's all there. It's sort of all informing that moment where you created something. So in the context of something called survival, like I said, you were quite specific about certain aspects of maybe where where that idea comes from and what you want to convey. Um, but yeah, I'm just wondering if there's something in particular that you think without sounding immodest, is there something unique about your expression or trajectory that you hope people either learn from, uh, you know, pick up on maybe in their own lives. Maybe it's something they can, you know, use and to help them through situations or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. I've just rephrased the question, but yeah, is that, is that helpful, helpful in no, any way? No, it, it, it is helpful. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to be looked at as, as necessarily someone inspiring or someone with like definitive answers to some of our, our questions of crisis. Like how do we, how do I uh, continue living? Why do, why is it worth it for me to make the art that I make? I, I struggle with those questions mm-hmm. all the time, but maybe it's helpful for the, for other people to know that someone else is out there with those same struggles. And we probably have a lot in common, you know? So it, it's probably best for people that relate to this music that I've made um, to reach out to me and we can get to know each other. And that's how friendships and bonds and community is made. Yeah. One of my, like, I guess one song 
on this album, Surface World, it's it's like a semi-fiction. It's, it's drawn from many different points, and it's sort of a composite conversation between two characters, like many other songs on the record. But I, I frequently introduce it like it, it's about doing the best you can for the people in your life that you love until the day you die because that's the only thing you can really have any control over or be sure of is to, if you, if you're going to love someone, if you're going to welcome someone into like a close circle of your life, then uh, it behooves you to do the absolute best that you can for them. And no one I think can ask anything else. I mean, that's uh, that's obviously a heartening and inspiring stance or statement. Do you have a sense of what inspired that? What gave you the clarity to think like, yeah, that's, was there a moment or, or something that inspired that particular stance from you? Yeah, because I mean, I've, I and many other people in the world um, have been um, shitty in the past to other people. Like I've been inconsiderate and then I've been insensitive and I've been a jerk. And sometimes the most uh, profound lessons you learn in this life are unfortunately at the expense of other people. Yeah. And sometimes there's no fixing that, but the way that I've learned to fix it in my closest relationships is by rejecting the decision tree that led to that place of harm and not necessarily doing the exact opposite of it, but like making a conscious effort to, to move away from a self-centered point of view that would have caused harm to other people by being, you know, self-absorbed and inconsiderate and, you know, striving more towards empathy and compassion. You know, it's interesting that, I think we're living in a, well, anyway, I've been around a while and I feel like we're in a kind of golden age of self-awareness um, on on one hand. Like I think there's still a lot of the mockumentary type comedy now is about people who aren't self-aware, which is in, yes. in itself a kind of pointing to like, maybe we should all be self-aware. Like what, maybe we should listen to ourselves and think about how we're behaving in relation to the world and other people. And what I was going to say, the golden age of that is I feel like we're learning about ourselves as much from our own experiences as we are hearing other people's stories because we're starting to see ourselves in those stories either as the hero or the villain or the victim or the villain, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. Does that resonate with you? Like, do you, you've come to these, you've come to terms with certain aspects about yourself and what drives you and maybe how you should conduct yourself. Like you were just kind of talking about that. Is that the result, do you think, mostly of your own self-stock-taking? Or is it hearing other people's stories and then evaluating them and think, thinking, I am maybe more like that personality than I wish to really recognize about myself? Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. You know what I, mean? I, it's, I, I think it's a little column A, a little column B. You know, like I, um, songwriting is a really wonderful tool, obviously, for self self-introspection and whether or not those songs get released to the public and, and sort of uh, treated to showcase uh, yourself and what you can offer. It's just a way to get your feelings out into the air and, and hear them back at yourself. Yeah. So that, that's been a really powerful tool for me. This is also sort of a way I've, I've approached writer's block, I suppose, something that I, I am constantly struggling with. There's times when you are, it, it works to sort of express yourself and really, get what's on your mind out into the world and you can react and learn from that. And then there's also times where you need to absorb things from the outside Mm. and listen to other people's stories. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I'm 
sort of fixated on is uh, I'm trying to step back and figure out why I might be um, angry at someone or res- mm. or resentful towards someone and, and trying uh, what I usually end up realizing is that I'm angry uh, at someone because they reflect some aspect of myself um, or, or, or behavior of that. Like I, I, you're getting, I, I end up in this sort of vague circle of, am I a hypocrite? Like the, the thing I don't like about this person is something that I do or a way I behave. Have you had that? Oh yeah. <laughs> that is, uh, that never stops being an uncomfortable realization. <laughs> well, I'm glad you re- recognize that. I think that what I'm saying is like, I think it's good. I, I, I know that sometimes we, um, I also think we are we uh, occasionally are overthinking certain things, um, but I also think there's a real health to that, uh, and, and sort of pondering our own behavior and, and the way others behave and and how we relate to that. I, I think it's good on some level. Do you? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's um, I don't know. It's it's important to to confront the dark parts of yourself, and it's important to listen to people when they are when they love you enough to tell you and you know you've done something really wrong yeah yeah exactly maybe we're less we're less defensive maybe or ideally we would be like less uh, i i yeah i think it's we're listening to each other and ourselves a bit more maybe it feels that way maybe it's just our perspectives and and maybe the i would like that to be the case uh, yeah um, exactly yeah. it's interesting that you've like you're, you're maybe talking about you've known a time before that was happening I think so. I think, I, I mean, I, we tend to blow up uh, the significance of our current moments uh, without contemplating their precedence. I've been having some debates with people about certain things about the recent history. And, you know, one of my friends is like, well, no, it's the exact same. Like if I talk about like, I feel like the Internet is destroying us. Like if I say something <laughs> like think about the 90s, like why are we so nostalgic for the 90s? Well, it was a pre-internet era. There must be something to that. We were a little more galvanized, and we all experienced culture almost almost the same, more so than we do now. And maybe that's part, like culture meaning music, TV, news. Like we kind of all had the same sources, and now that it's so disparate, uh, we don't, and now we have less common ground. Like I made this argument to someone about the 90s being, that's why the 90s, Seems to have this. Your friend said this. No, Your I, friend I said that there was like more of a. Okay. No, I said the. I said the thing about how I felt like the '90s was the last time we didn't have the internet, and the '90s right. nostalgia. I don't see going anywhere. Like we still, we're so many of us. I know there's a whole knot of issues here. I know people of my vintage, my age, are in charge of media and stories, the narrative right now. So that's why we're telling these 90s stories all the time or pondering the 90s. But it's got to be some significance of the fact that it's the last time we didn't have the internet. And now that we have the internet, we're more connected than we've ever been, but we're also more, I think, further apart. And my friend was like, I don't think that's true. I think it's always been like this. It's just faster. And I'm like, ah, okay. (laughs) <laughs> like information spread. I think I sympathize more with your I friend. know, I know. <laughs> That's say. fine. I don't know. I'm just positing. I'm trying to figure out why we're so polarized and why we don't. It's It seems extreme. Like when you see people mm-hmm. in America protesting the government with weapons, you know, openly. Like there's something, mm-hmm. the militancy, I don't know. There's just something weird. We've become sort of dehumanized. 
by the internet, I feel like, and now it's happening in IRL. <laughs> like, you used to, like, there's so many, like, you can just spew your hatred anonymously at someone on the internet and feel good about yourself, I guess. I don't know how you're supposed to feel after you do that, make an anonymous comment or right. or tweet at you or me and say, you suck or you're an ass or whatever. Like, now I'm what I'm seeing in the pandemic is people in the street, rage, anxiety. I haven't been anywhere with someone, not at me, but it hasn't yelled. Uh, grocery stores, banks, people are tense and angry. And all I'm saying is there might be some, we've dehumanized ourselves on some level to the point where it doesn't even seem real that you're yelling at someone. It's just the way we have socially conducted ourselves. This is way too hollow an argument. I have not pondered this too closely, but something's up, I think. And I'm not trying to... I think a lot of people are getting filthy rich off of uh, people bickering at each other on the internet. But, but my point is now it's happening in real life. Like I drive, when I drove in Ontario, yeah, with, I could see it. People drive like worse than they've ever driven and the least mindful. People not turning on their headlights at night was a phenomenon I would notice. And I've never seen it before. Oh my God. Like I would high yeah. beam people in front of me on the 401, on the highway to try to get them to be like, what's going on? Maybe my lights aren't on. I don't know. There's no real, we need to, by the way, we need to come up with some headlight Morris code that everyone understands because there's no way to tell someone that your gas tank's on fire. We need a system. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. I'm just saying something's up and uh, I don't know what it is. And I don't know if it's on, is any of this (laughs) on the Where's album in any way, our communication breakdowns? Well, I think it's, I think it's, very important for people to talk to each other um you know humbly with only the expectation that you're going to listen to each other and so that's why like a really common songwriting tool for me throughout the years has been phrasing lyrics as a conversation either between myself and a past version of myself or two fictitious characters or remembering a past conversation remembering several past conversations and sort of uh melting them together to prove a larger point yeah you know i think you know to your point about about people shouting at each other i think part of it is is yeah the internet is shaping discourse by and it's being shaped by people that don't have uh, a long-term investment in how um working class people are are interacting with each other or rather they have an investment in them staying disorganized and and you know with a lot of infighting and i think uh twitter is uniquely terrible for fostering any sort of productive conversation. Um, yeah. I still check it every day. It's still attached to my brain in the most horrific possible <laughs> way. But, you yeah. know, it's, it's yeah. good to, to examine that. Um, I am learning about human dynamics and behavior from these things. I'm just not sure they're helping us right now anymore. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I'm at with it. I just don't know. We've, we have been trained for this moment. For the last 25 years, we've been trained to live the way some of us are living. Socially isolated via social media. No, socially connected via social media while socially isolated. I'm maybe I'm that was a little maybe uh, heavy-handed and and trite to connect all the socials like that. But I think sums up and I'm worried about what the other side of this pandemic looks like because if we go back to normal, normal sucked and it wasn't good and a lot of us thought that to begin with. So there's got to be real changes. I just don't know that we're going to be talking to each other in a civil enough way in this suspension that we're in to get to the other side of this with practical and and smart changes. Does that make any sense? 
It does, yeah. And I think um, it's going to be very, very difficult to overcome this like huge, this huge gap, this huge social gap. Um, mm. But I also think it's the most important thing that we need to, to try and do, to try and get past. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, like quality time is at a real, a real premium. You know, everyone's, every all of my friends are working at least two jobs, trying to make, trying to make rent. Like nobody ever has time to to see each other, and that's the thing, the number one thing I think we need to fight fight against. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, Cass, I want to uh, conclude shortly, but I can I ask you a question, a leading question about something? Yes. Are you a fan of Bob Dylan? And are you a fan of the Bob Dylan song, Trying to Get to Heaven? And if so, does any of that influence your song, Hands Skin? Ooh, uh, I have not heard that Bob Dylan song. I am I am a fan of Bob Dylan. Uh, I know that you're a real Bob Dylan fan, and you've, you've sort of talked to other, you've touched on other conversations, um, illuminating to me how little I really do know about Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know all of the the classic records up to I'll say Desire. Okay. Um, and so I've read a lot about, and I've 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 seen, um, you know, Don't Look Back. Uh, I've I've searched in vain to try and find that Eat the Document. I think it's called. Yeah, I have. Movie. I have it on a VHS tape that I bought off of eBay or something twenty years ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I I tried to find that. I've like, I I think I've I've read much of what there is to be read which i'm sure he hates the existence of of like minute by minute of accounts of like what he was up to and why he was making the things he was making mm-hmm. you know after after the rolling thunder review i guess i sort of dropped off uh i don't know trying to get to heaven what records that so off? that re- that song is off of my favorite uh bob dylan album time out of mind which came out in 1997 and there's a right, l- lyric yeah. on the on that song i don't have it typed out in front of me or written in front of me so i may fudge this but I am a fan, so I have immunity, I think. No one's going to attack me for this. (laughs) Every day, your memory grows dimmer. It doesn't haunt me like it did before. Does that sound familiar to you? No. um, Is that not a line in hand skin? It doesn't haunt me like it did before? Oh, it it doesn't haunt me now. Yes, like, sorry. Um the song that you're describing is not familiar to me, but that line when you said it was like, Oh yeah, I can't believe uh, that I uh, totally aped that without even knowing. Th- that is what you say, um, right? It doesn't haunt me like it did before, right? More or less. It doesn't haunt me now. Like it did. It doesn't before. haunt me now. Like it did before. So, I mean, that's just the thing that someone might say, but it's, I was like, Whoa, you know, my Dylan, uh, Spidey senses went up, uh, and I thought, whoa, that's interesting because I've, in my songwriting past, I've certainly copped some lines just because I thought they were interesting or because he has a real way of saying simple things artfully. Um, and I like every day your memory grows dimmer. It doesn't haunt me like it did before. I love that album. So when I heard that on your record, I thought, well, here's a a, a, a mutual fan. Turns out, uh, I was vaguely wrong. You like him. You don't know that. Well, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know that record. Sounds like I should get into it. Well, particu- <laughs> but, particularly uh, given your interest in sort of textured ambient guitar tones, I, if I, if I may, it seems to me that you have that. Yeah, that's a that's a Lanois. Uh, well, it, the, it's not exactly as Lanois e as we thought, maybe. But yeah, anyway, Lanois was in charge of that production, uh, and it uh, 
yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to ask you about that because uh, I'm a fan of of yours and his. I thought maybe I would connect you socially so you two can have a Zoom chat. Excellent, love it. <laughs> okay, Dan Lenoir and I have the same favorite pickup configuration. Maybe we can talk about. Oh, that. interesting. Okay, well, I n- when we one day sure meet I can I can connect you with sorry with Lenoir. You mean? With Dan Lenoir, yeah, he uh, he likes uh, a humbucker in the bridge and a P90 in the neck, and I like the same. Okay, thing. I uh, if you want, I will connect you via text right after this. Would you like that? <laughs> 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 you can talk shop, maybe. Why not? I can do that. Okay, uh, I, maybe I'll I'll check in with him first. I don't want to anger Dan Lenoir. He seems like he might, uh, you know, resent it. Anyway, my what I was going to say is congratulations on survival and uh, and your work. And Thank I'm sorry you. it's been. Uh, as I said, uh, I used the term suspended earlier. It's been suspended, but hopefully you can uh, get back on the road and, and uh, share your wares, if you will. Uh, <laughs> I'm a dad. I make dad jokes. Where can people go to learn more about wares? The platform I probably use most and the thing I post the most on is Instagram. So that's at wares music. Okay. All things sort of branch out from there. There's like a link in the bio to, to get to all the other stuff. But uh, where's I'm also very active on Bandcamp, wares.bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's where to find me. Okay, cool. All right, so we'll direct people to that. If there's a song we can go out on, I mean, I guess I led us to one maybe, but if there's a song from Survival that we can go out on, uh, what would you pick? Oh, by the way, and it's out on Mint Records, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so if there's a song we can go out on, what would you choose? I mean, to our, like, this conversation, uh, or what I, I sort of arrived at talking at most, I guess, is the need for us to communicate with each other more. And so the song that most directly deals with that, I think, is Surface World. Okay. Yeah. So, and we discussed that earlier. So I think I know what you're, uh, where you're coming from with it. So, yeah, let's just, you want to just hear it? Should we just play it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. From the new album, Survival, this is Where's with Surface World. Cass, thank you so much for your uh, time, and I hope we can see each other in real life in Edmonton, where we we both are right now. But I hope you appreciate why I'm keeping a little bit of social distancing. But I hope I, I hope I get to meet you in person very soon, and best of luck with everything going forward. Thanks, thanks so much for your time. I'd like to meet you. Take care. <laughs> Shut the fuck up.
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Thanks again to Cassia Hardy of Wares for appearing on this, the 546th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all Apple and Google platforms and Spotify and other things as well. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my semi-regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or follow me directly at Vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. All the information you will need to know about making such a donation can be found at patreon.com slash creative control. I had a couple of new pledge people lately, so thank you very much. For that, and I hope uh, if you haven't yet thought of doing so, please consider pledging to the show at patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks again to live at MasseyHall.com, where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. Also, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support for the show. Uh, thanks, as always, to Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you very much for listening to this show and uh, maybe subscribing to it or following it and uh, asking your friends to do the same. That all means the world, and I will keep making shows. So I will talk to you very, very soon. I hope you're well, keeping well, and your family's good, and you're staying safe. And I will, like I say, I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.